This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode of For Real is sponsored by Book Riot's Read Harder Journal. Created by Book Riot, this smartly designed reading log consists of entry pages to record stats, impressions, and reviews of each book you read and is a great gift for readers this holiday season. Evenly interspersed among these entry pages are 12 challenges inspired by Book Riot's annual Read Harder initiative, which began in 2015 to encourage readers to pick up Passover books, try out new genres, and choose titles from a wider range of voices and perspectives. Indulge your inner book nerd and read a book about books, get a new perspective on current events by reading a book written by an immigrant, find a hidden gem by reading a book published by an independent press, and so much more. Each challenge includes an inspiring quotation, an explanation of why the challenge will prove to be rewarding, and five book recommendations that fulfill the challenge. Get one for yourself or for the readers in your life at bookriot.com slash readharderjournal. Welcome to For Real, a bi-weekly nonfiction books podcast that puts the spotlight on books that tell it like it is. Or try to. We'll cover new releases, backlist finds, and more. For Real is a Book Riot podcast and is hosted by me, Alice Burton, and fellow rioter Kim Eukera. We're recording on Thursday, December 19th. Hello, Kim! Hello, Alice. How are you? I'm good. Happy holidays. How are you? Happy holidays to you as well. I am, I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited. So we're recording on Thursday tomorrow. Friday is my last day of work before I get to take the entire week of Christmas off uh, for a vacation, which I haven't really done since like the 4th of July. So I'm very excited about that. Oh, that's this is the 4th of July? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've taken like days off here and there, but I haven't really taken like multiple days off for like long weekends or even like a week. So uh, I'm excited about that. How about you? Are you doing anything fun for the holidays? Oh, uh, let's see. Um, we are going to my dad's. So no, <laughs> it's gonna be no, no shade to my dad. Uh, this is like normal family stuff. I think it's nothing particularly uh thrilling. I would say, but yeah, it's gonna be fine. Do we? Uh, we have follow up, right? We do. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, oh, right. Our reviews. Oh my gosh. Um, so okay, we've been asking people to, meaning you all listeners who are awesome, to rate and review the podcast on um Apple Podcasts. So this is either tapping five stars or writing a review being like, we like this podcast. Uh you guys have come through in spades. We not only hit our goal of a hundred starred ratings, we exceeded it, which I was so jazzed to I was like checking because we were at 99 and I kept being like, is it gonna go up? Oh my gosh. And then I like sent Kim a text being super jazzed about it because I really wanted to hit that arbitrary goal that I set for us by the end of the year. Um, It was so great. Thank you so much to all of you. Thank you even if you're just downloading the podcast. We really, really appreciate it. Um, And yeah, thanks. Yes, the reviews have been, the the written ones have been a constant source of delight because they're very creative and funny. Um, So uh, thank you very much for that. It's really gratifying and we appreciate it. 
very much. And so with that, I think that was all the follow-up we had for this week, correct? So um, I will uh, mention our uh, other sponsor for the episode. So we're sponsored this week by Libro FM, a service that lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. So you can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and some of the hottest new audiobook releases, like The Testaments by Margaret Atwood, The Starless Sea by Erin Morgenstern, which I just read not as an audiobook, but just regular read, and it was great, uh, and Over the Top by Queer Eyes Jonathan Van Ness. So with Libro FM, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as that uh, large audiobook company out there. You know the name. Um, all you need is a smartphone and the free app. So um, there is a special holiday 2019 offer. Uh, when customers gift any 3, 6, or 12-month audiobook membership, they'll receive an audiobook of the year and the number one New York Times bestseller, Circe by Madeline Miller, for free. So Libro FM is sharing this gift as a thank you to those who support local bookstores this holiday season. Also, listeners of this podcast can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter code BR3. And with each listen, you can take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. Uh, and I'm going to say I signed up for this, I think, like, beginning-ish of the year because I was trying to shift my audiobook consumption and my book um, purchasing away from uh, the company that shall not be named. And I have loved using the service so much. So it's super convenient. The audiobook it's just, works just as well as any other app that I have tried for audiobooks. And it's awesome. So uh, give Libro.fm a try. Uh, it's great. Also, Cersei is super good. I just, when you said that that was one of the <laughs> things, I was like, oh, I loved Cersei. Just speaking Bless. of fiction here for just a moment. But yeah, awesome picks. Blasphemy. Uh, all right. So uh, <laughs> we will, um, we're going to do just some really brief nonfiction news because I don't know, end of the year gets super slow. I feel like everyone in publishing like goes on vacation. So there hasn't been a ton of new stuff, but uh, we did notice that the Goodreads Choice Awards winners were announced in the last couple of weeks, um, which is a Goodreads Choice Award is a word like I always find it interesting. I think there's often interesting books that kind of rise to the top. And then there are situations where books that are not interesting uh, rise to the top, which I think <laughs> is part of uh, this year. So I'm just going to mention there's a lot of different categories. That's another thing I really like about it. So um, for the uh, humor category, the winner was Ali Wong's Dear Girls. Uh, for the nonfiction category, it was Rachel Hollis's Girl Stop Apologizing. For memoir and autobiography, it was Over the Top by Jonathan Van Ness. Uh, for history and biography, it was The Five by Haley Rubenholt. And for science and technology, it was Will My Cat Eat My Eyeballs by Caitlin Jordy. Um, and so there are one, two, I think three of those we have mentioned on the podcast, if I'm not mistaken. And the one that I'm annoyed about is Rachel Hollis. Well, because she was the people she was against, like Lindy West, the witches are coming. Yeah. I like I cannot. I'm really happy that the five won. Mm-hmm, um, me too. Yeah. Dear Girls was really great. Will my caddy my eyeballs was a delight. Uh, but oh my gosh. I just Yeah. It, yeah. Okay. Yeah. The other nonfiction books that uh that one beat out were Stay Sexy and Don't Get Murdered, which was um I think you really loved. Um Maybe You Should Talk to Someone, which is a book that I really loved, Catch and Kill, um, She Said, Lindy West's book, um, the Witches Are Coming, uh, The Collective Schizophrenia. Is, like, there's just a t- Parkland by Dave Cullen. Like, there's just so many good books on that list. And I'm really disappointed that one that I – I guess I haven't read Girl Stop Apologizing, but I did read Girl Wash Your Face, and I thought it was kind of meh. So, um, anyway, but other really fun winners, and I think, like, you really loved The Five and the other couple that we mentioned. So, uh, mixed bag, I guess. I don't know. Do you have anything else to add? 
No. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like I have uh, expressed my thoughts on this. That is fine. All right. So with that, we will shift into kind of our main um, theme of the episode. We're going to skip new books this week because, again, uh, December is really slow and there just aren't a lot to pick from. And we decided this would be, since we're coming out right at the end of the year, um, we thought we'd focus this episode on our 2019 favorite books and our 2019 misses, which are not books that we did not like. Um, they're books that we did not get to read and that we wish that we had. Because um, I, like, I don't know about you, but I often just quit reading books that I don't like. So, um I don't have a lot that I would be able to pull through and say, like, oh, I read that and I hated it. Um, so I'd rather talk about the books that I wish that I had gotten to. So um, before we get into it, I just wanted to mention that um, in the mid-year, I think that our first episode in July, Alice was out and so Liberty Hardy subbed in and we did a best, uh, like, favorites of the year so far. Uh, and I went back and looked at the books I had on that list and they all are still among my favorites of the year. So, But I don't want to talk about them a second time. Um, so I'm going to just mention them really quickly um, because I they're great. And I, if you haven't listened to that episode, you should go back and listen to it because Liberty had some really great picks at the time. But um, the four books I talked about in that episode as being my favorites mid-year were uh, Notes from a Young Black Chef by Kwame Onowachi and Joshua David Stein, uh, Parkland by Dave Cullen, which is incredible, um, Girl- Good Talk by Mira Jacob, which is funny and very good, and a graphic novel, or graphic memoir, excuse me, um, and The Collected Schizophrenias by Esme Weijong Wang. Um, and those are all still among my favorites of the year, but didn't want to talk about the four of them again, just because that'd be boring. So, um, yeah, going to mention those and then turn it over to Alice to hear your first favorite of the year. Yeah, my first favorite of the year, I believe you have also read, is that correct? I started it and then um, I learned that my book club will be reading it next year. And so I put it down because I didn't want to like read it and then reread it. So I've read like half-ish. Oh, okay. So feel free to chime in with your half-ish opinion. (laughs) But uh, so my first pick for sort of favorites of 2019 is Say Nothing, a true story of murder and memory in Northern Ireland by Patrick Radden Keefe. I did this on audiobook. It took forever, but the guy reading it has an Irish accent and it is super worth it, I would say, to do it on audiobook. Uh, So Say Nothing is basically a story of the IRA. And some, it was something that I knew very, very little about. Kind of like I had, I had some pop culture knowledge, including Dairy Girls, which is, uh, the IRA is very tangentially, I would say, in Dairy Girls. Um, but this book definitely gave a lot more context to that show, which is great and everyone should watch it. But, um, it's such a complicated story and obviously the, the politics and the motives behind everything is complicated. The book revolves around at the very beginning, this mother of, I believe, 10 children is abducted, bought from, um, her flat by members of the IRA, essentially. And she disappears and her kids are left on their own and no one ever knows, uh, well, for decades, they didn't know what happened to her. And so sort of juxtaposed with the history of the IRA, the book talks about the disappearance and trying to find out what happened to uh, this mother. And it's, uh, it's, I would say, like a tough book, not the toughest, but still, you know, a pretty, like pretty heavy subject matter. And, um, but you would definitely come away from it feeling like you have a much better grasp of the history of the IRA and of kind of like 
some idea of what that conflict is about. And um, I'm sure that I'm still missing, you know, huge amounts of like the subtleties of all this. But I think in terms of, of a broad stroke kind of idea, um, it does a great job for that. So again, that is Say Nothing, a true story of murder and memory in Northern Ireland by Patrick Radden Keefe. Yeah, I totally agree with you that like it um, is really in depth, but I, I feel like I have a, a better appreciation of sort of the complexities of it and like where the different groups that were fighting at the time were coming from and why they were in conflict with each other and that the there were a lot of different wings of each political movement and how those wings also interacted with each other, which I had never really understood very well before. So um, it gives a lot of really good context for that. I think you're right. Yeah. So my first pick for my first, I guess, official pick for favorites is um, a book that probably, like, had the biggest impact on me personally this year. And that was Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle by Emily Nagoski and Amelia Nagoski. Um, And so this is a book specifically about how um, stress uh, affects women and what we can do to... um, combat against it. So um, they talk in very specific science, this very specific science of the stress response cycle. So understanding what that cycle is, and then the ways that we can um, sort of allow your body to complete the stress cycle so that you can um, de-stress and sort of combat burnout by working through that. And then also talking about how for women, there's a bunch of things in society and the patriarchy and um, the ideas about female body image and all of that and emotional labor and all of these different particular ways that women are affected by stress in different and unique ways compared to men. And I read the first chapter like early in the year and it helped me kind of get into a habit of walking and exercising a little bit more regularly. And then I finished it on audiobook later in the year and just kind of had my whole brain expanded about the very like important ways that our bodies are connected to our mental health, um, which I did not really put together before this. Um, and I just thought it was fascinating. And so if you're a person who is worried about stress, worried about burnout, worried about trying to understand that, particularly if you're a woman, although I think a lot of the lessons are applicable to men too, like the stress response cycle works the same way in men and women. It's more like what the stressors in our environments are that are different. Um, I thought it was fascinating and I thought it was really, really good. It's great on audiobook too, um, surprisingly. So I have it on in print to maybe read again, but I liked it on audio. So that is Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle by Emily and Amelia Nagoski. So you're saying exercise is helpful for life? It is helpful for life, and it's helpful for your mental health, uh, which I knew but didn't really know, and now I understand better. I'm going to attempt to incorporate that sometime soon, but uh, I guess this is helpful as an additional piece of knowledge. The thing that I appreciated out of the book is that they – what you actually need to do to like count as exercise as a, so exercise is a way to complete the stress response cycle. It doesn't have to be like running or something like that. Like walking is enough to like kind of convince your body that you have worked through that whole um, fight or flight response. So there are lots of different things you can do to do that, but exercise is one of the best ways. Oh, well, that is fascinating. Thank you, Kim. Uh, let's <laughs> let's all read Burnout. So um, my next pick is The Queens of Animation by Natalia Holt. I 
really, really liked this book. I talked about it on the podcast semi-recently, so I won't um, – I'll try to, you know, address some different points. But basically, this is about the women of Disney from the beginning of it until – I believe it goes through Frozen because they definitely talk about the director of Frozen and then um, kind of the, the challenges in reshaping the character of Elsa, who originally, right, was supposed to be this villainess, like the story of the Snow Queen, and then um, the woman in charge of, of – reshaping it was basically saying i want it to be about sisters they did at disney they did this really cool thing called like a sisters summit where they got all of these women together to talk about what it meant to be like women and sisters and they were talking about like fighting over clothes but then how you helped like your sister if she was in trouble and all this stuff um which gets that song from sister act stuck in my head if (laughs) anyone knows what i'm talking about please ping me on twitter anyway so it's uh it's just it was really fascinating i was on a plane reading it with Michelle, my fiance, and she was reading this really heavy YA book. And I kept turning to her and being like, okay, but let me tell you this other random Disney fact. And she was like, I am emotionally involved in this book. (laughs) What do you need to (laughs) tell me? And I was like, this fact about Mulan. But anyway, um, it's really, really good. And it gives you a greater appreciation for kind of like the history of Disney and what uh, the women who worked there have gone through and how far they have come and kind of it gives a really it's a nice sort of case study of women paving the way for other women in the future right like they had to go through this really hard thing to make it a little easier for the next group of women to come through and uh, it's just it's a a story of triumph in some ways and uh but also just fascinating and the different women that they talk about have really interesting lives and i loved it again that is the queens of animation by natalia holt excellent that's probably on my list of books i didn't get to read my misses so i'm glad you talked about it um all right my next pick is uh called maybe you should talk to someone a therapist her therapist and our lives revealed by Lori gottlieb um and so uh Lori gottlieb the author is a therapist in los angeles who uh finds herself in therapy after a uh, pretty traumatic breakup uh and so she uh finds the therapist who she calls in the book wendell who she describes as straight out of therapist central casting um and she starts going to see him. And so the book is all about her experiences as a therapist going to therapy and then also writing about uh, the patients that she's seeing there. She kind of makes some kind of composites and disguises identities a little bit um, and tells the stories of the people who have come to therapy to talk with her. Um, and I thought this book was completely fascinating. Um, I am a person who has gone to therapy, but I never really, like, understood – how therapy works, even though I had gone to it, I went to it for a very specific kind of reason and like worked through that particular thing and then have not did stopped going. But like, that's not necessarily like how therapy works, I guess. Um, and so I just thought it was really interesting to kind of learn theories around therapy and also, um, the stories that she tells about her patients are incredibly moving, um, and they're very specific and well done. And she's a really engaging writer. Um, and I just, I've recommended this one to a lot of different people because I think it just offers a lot for people who have ever even just like been through and felt like maybe you needed to talk to someone about something. Like I think it just offers some really supportive and warm and, um, helpful pieces about that. In addition to just being really entertaining and like a great page turner. So, um, I've recommended this one like maybe 
maybe the most of all the books I've read this year, just because I think it's widely interesting for people. So uh, that is Maybe You Should Talk to Someone, A Therapist, Her Therapist, and Our Lives Revealed by Lori Gottlieb. I keep meaning to look at that book. So it's a good reminder. And I, <laughs> I really like the cover because it's got that box of tissues. Yeah, it's a really good cover. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I love a good cover. Okay. So my next pick is Unfollow, a memoir of loving and leaving the Westboro Baptist Church by Megan Phelps Roper. Megan Phelps Roper, of course, her grandfather was Fred Phelps, uh, who essentially founded the Westboro Baptist Church. Um, he definitely made it his own. Um, this is out of Topeka, Kansas. When Megan was five, she began going out on protests with her family and holding up the very infamous uh, and hideous signs that they do basically as shock tactics she's pretty explicit about that in the book um i thought this book was number one very well written and number two just really fascinating as a uh, a look inside this this church that people have only pretty much you know seen them as as picketers as opposed to seeing how they function on the inside and what their family dynamics are like and what it was like growing up in um I would say like a quasi cult sort of situation, right? Like, I don't think you would call it a cult, but I think that um, it was a very controlling environment for sure. And if you disagreed with them or started disagreeing with people in the group, then you were definitely kicked out and and cut off from the rest of the group. So, um, which, you know, is, is pretty emotionally traumatizing. And that's essentially what Megan goes through in the book. She decides that it's wrong and she leaves and, um, uh, basically is cut off from her family. So it's, uh, again, a little bit of a tough read. It depends, you know, like just know going in that there's a whole lot of family stuff in there because the most of the Westboro Baptist Church is related to Megan Phelps Roper. But it is, um, also, I, I suppose you would say it's a love story. I don't really see it as that, but she does meet this man in it and he kind of helps her, um, realize the situation that she's in and how she, how her words are affecting people. So it's, but it's more, I would say, a, a sort of a memoir of, of growth and change and entirely changing your life based on a, a realization. So again, that is Unfollow, a memoir of loving and leaving the Westboro Baptist Church by Megan Phelps Roper. You know, I love a good story about people like leaving extreme religions. Like that's one of my kryptonites for sure. Uh-huh. Yeah, on my list. Very cool. My next book is one that I feel like I talked about really recently, so I probably won't take too long on it. And that is Make It Scream, Make It Burn by Leslie Jameson. Uh, and so this is a collection of essays. Uh, Leslie Jameson is a writer. She's done uh, previous essay collections and a memoir about her own um, experience as an alcoholic and then being a recovering alcoholic. Um, and so this is, uh, this collection of essays goes through a huge range of subjects. Um, there's, uh, I think we talked about this essay. There's one about this whale that called the loneliest whale in the world called blue 52 because he he i think uh sings a song that like no other whales respond to um there's one about children who have these past live memories and like what that might be about um and then the collection is really interesting because it um goes from sort of like her being a journalist and reporting on these other people and like a little bit in those essays about her experiences as a writer and like what her 
position in relation to the story that she's trying to tell is. Um, and then they get progressively more um, personal. And so at the end, there's a few essays about um, her becoming a stepmother, stepmother and kind of interrogating all of the stories we have about stepmothers and how they're portrayed in pop culture and fairy tales and all of that. Um, there's one about her um, becoming a mother and her pregnancy and how she, um, when she was pregnant, became someone who like just ate and ate and ate and kind of contrasting that with her experience as a person who had previously had an eating disorder. Um, and they're just really fascinating. And the um, connection she makes between different things are really interesting. And I think she kind of her explorations of her role as a journalist and a storyteller in relation to all of these other stories is really fascinating. Um, I just think she's a really interesting thinking person. And I like kind of being in her space and listening, like hearing her thoughts. So I listened to this one on audiobook too, and I really liked it that way because it just kind of felt like listening to a bunch of podcast episodes with somebody who was just kind of chatting with you about this thing they were thinking about. Um, so I, th- I really liked it. It's a, a good essay collection, I think. Uh, it said, is Make It Scream, Make It Burn by Leslie Jameson. I didn't fully remember the book you were talking about until you talked about the sad <laughs> whale. And I was like, I remember being sad about that sad whale. So, <laughs> thanks for bringing that up again. <laughs> um, my next pick is Agrippina, the Most Extraordinary Woman of the Roman World by Emma Southern. This is a charming little jewel of a book, is what I'm going to call it. Uh, this originally came out in, I believe, England and was self-published. And uh, we have discussed the cover in the original version was much, much better. The one that they publish here, the cover is terrible. It looks like it's a 500-page, very boring biography. And it is the opposite of that. So essentially, uh, Agrippina is the sister of Caligula, I believe, and the niece of Emperor Claudius. And she is the mother of Nero. So... She was just in a real interesting position <laughs> in that world. Um, the author, Emma Southern, the way that she talks about history is just my absolute favorite. She talks, first of all, right, about how uh, Romans didn't like women. They didn't care about women. If they had feelings about them, they were pretty negative. And if you were a woman and you were mentioned in Roman history, it's usually because you were being transgressive in terms of what they decided was correct behavior. So Agrippina shows up in the historical record when she is being, or how they said she was being, was bad, right? And they, one of the things that Southern says is, uh, of course, you know, she wasn't invisible in the real world. She was highly visible every day in Rome as a member of the imperial family. But Roman historians don't care about women. They only care about politics and war, which I was like, yeah. And then, <laughs> um, gosh, I'm just like flipping through my highlights. She talks about how there was this very big party that involved a lot of boats um, basically lined up across the river so that you could walk from boat to boat and get from the one side of the river to the other. And she said, we can assume that Agrippina was present at this because who would want to miss the opportunity to frolic across a boat bridge? And it's just like that kind of thing. Like, she's so funny and so just like, I guess, cavalier with history, but at the same time, very clearly knowing her stuff. And it's just that is my favorite way to talk about history. So this is the most like that sort of tone book that came out this year, at least that I have found. And 
I don't normally read Roman history. I love this. Again, it is Agrippina, the most extraordinary woman of the Roman world by Emma Southern. Excellent. That sounds really fun. I remember the covers of those, that the the British cover is much better. Ah, what a bummer. Way better. Oh, people, come on. All right. Um, so my last uh, mention for favorites, even though I have many other books this year that I read and I really liked, uh, is called uh, No Visible Bruises, What We Don't Know About Domestic Violence Can Kill Us. This is a heavy book for sure, um, but I thought it was incredibly well done. So um, Rachel Louise Snyder, the author, frames the book around, like, I think two big facts. Um, the first is that every day around the world, 137 women are killed by familial violence. And the second one is that 54% of mass shootings in the United States somehow today involve domestic violence. And so what she argues kind of based on those statistics and a bunch of other information is that um, domestic violence is not a private problem. It is an actual public health issue. And that if we don't address domestic violence, we're having all of these other public consequences that we're not really grappling with. Um, and so she does this incredible deep dive of a report into uh, domestic violence. And she um, tries to answer these three really kind of big questions about domestic violence. And so understanding like why victims don't leave, um, whether a violent per- person who is committed to or is involved in domestic violence can become nonviolent. Like, can you reform someone? Uh, and then what kind of response should uh, jurisdictions or states or government entities have to domestic violence? Like, what should we actually be doing? And so she talks to victims and she talks to families and she talks to perpetrators of violence. She talks to law enforcement. Um, she talks to activists who have been working for decades, researchers trying to kind of solve the problem of domestic violence. And she gives this very um, comprehensive look at where we're at and why this is a thing that we can't seem to get our hands around. Um, and so obviously, like, parts of it are very triggering. I think if you're a person who has experienced domestic violence, she's very um, – uh, she writes about, you know, some specific cases um, in a way that is – Difficult to read, but I don't think um, exploitive of the people in those stories, but certainly it is difficult to read. But I just found it so um, eye-opening to me and so urgent and so um, important that I really um, have... I don't know that I've recommended this one a lot, but I've thought about it a lot since I finished it because I just thought the way that she approached it and the kind of question she asked and the way that she framed her story was really interesting and, and um, thoughtful. So that is No Visible Bruises, What We Don't Know About Domestic Violence Can Kill Us by Rachel Louise Snyder. I just added that to my Goodreads to read list, just FYI. It's real good. It's it's really good. It has like a 4.5 on Goodreads, which is absurdly high for that site. Yeah, and for a nonfiction book about domestic violence, yeah, that seems that does seem really high in a good way. Yeah. Awesome. All right, so we're going to switch gears and um, talk now about books we have not read, uh, books that came out in 2019 that we uh, talked about or looked at or, <laughs> in my case, bought and probably and then uh, put on a shelf and didn't actually finish. So um, do you want to go first or should I? Um, I can start. Okay. So I actually just picked this up and I was really bummed to not have read it before because it's just, I feel like it's gotten so much acclaim and is 
the author is uh, an extremely impressive person. I just started following her on Instagram. She does like this art to go like, okay, let me just get into the book. So it is Know My Name by Chanel Miller. Um, This is the person who was known as Emily Doe when she wrote a letter to um, Brock Turner, which uh, he had just been well, it was her victim impact statement, right? This was the letter. So Brock Turner uh-huh. had just been sentenced to six months in a county jail after he was found sexually assaulting her on Stanford's campus. Um, after her impact statement was posted on BuzzFeed, it was viewed by 11 million people within four days, and it made it to the floor of Congress and inspired changes in California law. So in this book, she is reclaiming her identity to tell her story of trauma, transcendence, and the power of words. Um, I just started it, and it's so good. You know, like, sometimes you pick up a book and you start reading it, and you're like, oh, this is going to be, like, a really good book just Mm -hmm. from the very beginning. Yeah, this is one of those. Um, Again, I'm sorry I didn't read it earlier in 2019, but I'm really glad that I've just picked it up. So, yeah. That is, oh, right, again, Know My Name by Chanel Miller. Oh, so glad you talked about that one. Yeah, definitely feels like one I missed as well. My first pick is another collection of essays. I think I often buy collections of essays and then don't know. I read a few and then don't finish them, which is a bad habit of mine. But uh, this collection is called Trick Mirror, Reflections on Self-Delusion by Gia Tolentino. Um, And I'm just going to quote from the book jacket because I really like the way they describe it. Um, Trick Mirror is an enlightening, unforgettable trip through the river of self-delusion that surges just beneath the surface of our lives. This is a book about the incentives that shape us and about how hard it is to see ourselves clearly through a culture that revolves around the self. Uh, and so these are a bunch of different essays about stuff like the rise of the social internet, um, scamming and millennial culture, uh, literary heroines and their journeys, and the punitive dream of optimization um, and how kind of optimizing our lives is actually terrible for us. Um, so yeah, it's just about like forces of modern life and how we just like can't really understand them and how they're warping the way that we see ourselves in the rest of the world. And I am excited about this one because Gia Tolentino is is young. She's a, a young writer, I think in her early 30s, but I could be wrong on that. Sorry, friends. Um, but she's not like, she hasn't been writing essays forever and ever. So I feel like she has a really clear grasp of like contemporary culture. Um, and then also a bunch of Book Riot people uh, have read this one and talked about it um, kind of on our Book Riot channels. Um, it inspired some people to just entirely quit Twitter, which I am kind of amazed by. Um, and just had, they all had lots of interesting things, good things to say about it and like what she helped them kind of see and think about the world. So um yeah, I just feel like a book that kind of, you know, I'm really into like ideas of like digital minimalism and all of that, but I I have a hard time implementing them. And so I think maybe a book about, not about that explicitly, but like connected to those ideas and about how kind of digital culture and contemporary culture like skews the way we see the world, I think is going to be really interesting. So this is one that I am taking with me uh, on my vacation next week because I think an essay collection might be nice to kind of dip in and out of. So uh, that is Trick Mirror, Reflections on Self-Delusion by Gia Tolentino. I saw a bunch of Book Riot people talking about that on Instagram months ago mm-hmm. and like just how amazing it was and how they were like, you know, just like meeting it out just a little bit at a time because they were enjoying it so much. And they were like lauding it so much that I was like, I have to go buy it. So I bought it. And haven't read any of them. 
Like, it's been sitting at the foot of my bed, basically, for months. Uh, Yeah. But I'm looking forward to reading it. Same, same, same. I did the exact same thing. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. So, okay. My next miss for 2019 is Grace Will Lead Us Home, The Charleston Church Massacre, and The Hard, Inspiring Journey to Forgiveness by Jennifer Barry Hawes. So on June 17th, 2015, 12 members of the historically black Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina, welcomed a young white man to their evening Bible study. He arrived with a, quote, pistol, 88 bullets, and hopes of starting a race war. So this shooter, um, he ended up killing nine people. And two days later, uh, some relatives stood at his hearing and said, I forgive you. So this book is, um, so it's by Pulitzer Prize winning journalist Jennifer Barry Hawes, and it talks about, it's like a definitive account of the tragedy's aftermath. And so she talked to the families and other key figures, and she basically describes um, the events and emotions that happened in uh, post this really tragic event. And uh, it sounds like a very hard book, but it's definitely... I would say just sort of like the heart of what we are dealing with right now in in one event as a nation. And I am really interested in how she like what her reporting has uncovered and like how people are feeling about it and what um, she has to say about this terrible event. So again, that is Grace Will Lead Us Home, The Charleston Church Massacre and The Hard Inspiring Journey to Forgiveness by Jennifer Barry Hawes. Excellent pick. So my next pick is one that I believe we've talked about on the podcast before that I'm still annoyed that I haven't gotten around to reading, uh, which is Furious Hours, Murder, Fraud, and the Last Trial of Harper Lee by Casey Sepp. Uh, and so this is about a true crime book that Harper Lee began to write um, that is um, about the ch- crime at the center of kind of the manuscript that Harper Lee started is about a guy named Reverend Willie Maxwell, who is a rural preacher accused of murdering five family members for insurance money in the 1970s. Um, he escape justice until a relative shot him at the funeral of his last victim and uh, even though there are witnesses the man who shot him was acquitted and then he was then defended by the lawyer who also defended Reverend Willie Maxwell so it's a really weird story um, and Harper Lee spent a long time reporting on the trial and the case and then wrote a book about it but then she either never finished it or put a draft somewhere where no one can find it and so um, this uh, Furious Hours is a book about that book and about the trial and about Harper Lee and all of that um, and I I just think it sounds so fascinating, like a weird uh, true crime story inside a publishing mystery story inside a like mini biography of Harper Lee story um, that I'm really excited about. So um, I keep hoping to just like grab it at the library and, and finish it, but I haven't gotten around to it yet. So that is Furious Hours, Murder, Fraud, and the Last Trial of Harper Lee by Casey Sepp. I wonder if that would be a good audiobook. Ooh, I wonder. Yeah, it might be. I've been doing some true crime audio stuff, and it like it's good. It's a little scary, but oh um, yeah, because mm-hmm. you know there's like that extra element of like there's a person telling you this stuff. But oh, yeah, this sounds like a less. I did the Israel Keys book as an audiobook. <laughs> that was Ooh. uh that man is a monster. So this sounds a little less horrifying. Um, yeah, and more just kind of like oh wow. So that might be okay. Anyway, my last pick is Thick and Other Essays by Tressie McMillan Cottom. This was a finalist for the National Book Award. It has been uh, acclaimed, I would say, throughout the various like nonfiction summaries of 2019. 
And um, so she in uh, talks about eight essays on beauty, media, money, and more. So this is uh, she. Tracy McMillan Cotton is the award-winning professor and acclaimed author of Lower Ed, and it's, it says she is quote unapologetically thick. Uh, deemed, quote, thick where I should have been thin, more where I should have been less. And so, um, again, she talks about, um, she talks about the media, she talks about, um, cultural expectations, analyses of whiteness, black misogyny, and status signaling as means of survival for black women. And, uh, the critic, uh, Darnell Elmore said it was writing that is as deft as it is amusing, which is a review that I really, really enjoy. Um, this is a book that I have picked up and then I got, I think, immediately distracted because that is my way. And I am really, really excited to pick it up again, especially um, in the wake of its being a finalist for the National Book Award. That's such a motivating factor. <laughs> you know, It's like, wow, that's impressive. And I'm actually looking, I just looked to the left and it's on my shelf. So I am going to pick that up very soon. And again, that is Thick and Other Essays by Tressie McMillan Cottom. Excellent. I'm glad you talked about that one. Um, my final pick is one that I actually think we did not talk about on the podcast and I'm super surprised because, um, I'm very interested in it and I don't, I, I, like it's one of those ones where I sort of don't understand how it got to the end of the year and I didn't actually read this book. So, uh, the book is called The Great Pretender, The Undercover Mission That Changed Our Understanding of Madness by Susanna Callahan. Um, and so this is a book about a, um, as, as incident or situation or experiment or something in the 1970s when a Stanford psychologist and seven other people who were considered, quote, sane, healthy, well-adjusted members of society, uh, went undercover into insane asylums around the United States to test, uh, the legitimate of labels in psychiatry, and um, they were all forced to stay in these asylums until they had, quote, proven themselves sane, and then they came out and they had all these stories about, like, what it was like to be in uh, an insane asylum, and that sounds fascinating to me. Um, and the other reason that I'm really excited about it is that um, Susanna Callahan wrote this other book a few years ago that I adore called Brain on Fire. Um, and she's just a really good, interesting writer. Um, and so I don't like this one. I don't know. I feel like it didn't get a lot of attention and it must have just slipped off my radar. And um, a listener on Twitter brought it up to us. And I, after he did, I kind of looked back and I was like, I don't think we talked about this one. And I think that's kind of bananas because I'm actually very, <laughs> very into it. So uh, that is, I don't know, I'm hoping I can grab it from the library before I leave for Christmas, but we'll see. Uh, that is The Great Pretender, The Undercover Mission That Changed Our Understanding of Madness by Susanna Callahan. Uh, yeah, so that is uh, some books of 2019 we loved and some that we haven't read or hope we're going to read soon because we missed them. And I don't know, once you get into the new year, it's almost like you can't read anything old again. Or maybe that's just how I feel because I feel like we have to read books for the podcast. But obviously, you can read books as old as you want. Anywho, uh, so with that, we will shift into kind of the final part of the podcast where we talk about the books that we are reading right now at this very moment. And uh, so I am kind of in the middle early in two different books right now. Uh, the first one is The Sixth Extinction and Unnatural History by Elizabeth Colbert. Colbert. Um, 
Knives, I don't actually know how you say that. So uh, it is a book about uh, mass extinctions and how the world is in the middle of a sixth mass extinction, potentially, where uh, many species of all kinds are being eradicated at alarming rates. Um, and Alice, you've talked about this one several times. And finally, after the last episode, I was like, all right, I'm going to I'm gonna for real read this book this time. Hooray! So I have started it and I got through the chapter. There's the first chapters about... Um, frogs in um, South America. And it is so sad, but also really sweet because there are these people doing incredible work trying to save these frogs. And I'm so glad they are. But like you said, it's also sad. Yeah, it covers both emotions. Yeah. Uh, And so then the other book that is sitting next to me right now uh, is uh, The Six Wives of Henry VIII by Alison Weir. Uh, And I got that one out from the library because I went and saw the musical Six. uh, Yeah, you did. (laughs) I did. (laughs) Uh, Two times in the last few weeks. uh, And it made me super jazzed to read about uh, the Wives of Henry VIII again because I know – I know about them, but I don't think I know as much about them as I wish that I did. And they are – interesting women with interesting lives that deserve to have their stories told. So um, I checked out this big biography that's got all six of them in there, and I'm looking forward to it. So that is what I've got on my plate right now. If you have not seen the musical Six, go see it. It's going to be on Broadway soon, and it's going to be in a couple of touring productions. It's coming back to Chicago next summer, and it's amazing and life-changing. I saw it four times in Chicago. <laughs> Kim, I'm so glad you got to see it again. And It was the best. You can listen to the cast recording online on Spotify and elsewhere. I'm sure it's available everywhere. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm so glad you're reading that Allison Weir book. Okay, what am I reading now? I am reading, uh, as previously mentioned, Know My Name by Chanel Miller. It's great and amazing. Um, I also picked up, I just finished Well Read Black Girl and by Glory Edom, and it's so good and has, you know, she interviews all these different black female authors who are talking about um, the books that kind of um, made a huge impact for them. And one of the, the one of the books that's mentioned is Citizen by Claudia Rankin, and it's so good. I just started it, and it's poetry, but, you know, nonfiction poetry, and I'm really, really into it. So very jazzed about both of my currently readings. And with that, you can find us on social media. I am at It's Alice Time, and Kim is at Kim the Dork. And if you feel so inclined, please visit Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or a review. Um, doing that helps people find us more easily. Uh, it delights us when we get to read them. And it, uh, while you're there, you can subscribe so that you, get, so that you get new episodes the very minute that they come out. Uh, and so with that, I am Kim Ugra. And I'm Alice Burton. And we thank you for listening to this week's episode of the For Real Podcast. <laughs>